I'm your host, Riri. Welcome to Reimagining Life from Pain to Purpose, where you'll find a community focused on resilience and perseverance, sharing untold stories of hope and rebuilding while dealing with major life interruption. This podcast is made by and for people in the process of reimagining their lives. We're here to raise the voices of those who often suffer in silence, living with chronic pain and or disability. This space is for you. We encourage you to get involved. So stick around and let's jump right into the next episode. Welcome to Reimagining Life, Episode 2, entitled Working Toward Acceptance and Finding Your New Purpose. Today, we will share the first of many personal stories. Our founder, Riri, will share part of her story, focused on what has been one of the most challenging and important steps along her journey, learning to accept her completely changed reality. I am Charm from the podcast series Beyond the Comfort Zone, and I'll be leading this discussion. I've known Riri for about a year now. We met over podcasting and connected over our life stories and her incredible journey to her life reimagined. Her reimagining story begins during a period of life when most of her peers were focused on buying houses, starting to settle down, and building their future with partners and family. Riri was focused on career growth, successfully climbing the career ladder, even starting to build an independent consulting gig on top of her day job. She was traveling around the world for various projects and enjoying her increasing responsibilities. As you'll hear in her story, something happened and she found herself ripped away from the life she had built. She went from an active, full life to being bedridden and fighting to get through each day in extreme pain. She could no longer work to support herself or manage her daily life. Let's chat with Riri and learn about her story and how she continues learning to accept her new reality and find new purpose. So Riri, welcome to the second episode of your podcast. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Can you paint a picture of what your life looked like in the before times? What did life look like then? Sure. So I was a 30-something professional, really focused on working my way up the professional ladder, and as a woman specifically, fighting for my chance to lead and be recognized as having the technical skills to do so. As a person, I've always been a go-getter. I felt most fulfilled when challenging myself physically and mentally. I loved traveling as much as possible. I did that for work and for fun. Lots of physical activities, think like sports like trampoline parks, aerial yoga, other adventurous activities. If it was a little bit strange, I'd probably want to do it. Um, And I was always looking for new adventures. I had a, a lot of energy and a zest for life. My work was a big part of my life. It was challenging, exciting sometimes dangerous, and always evolving and changing. I'd carefully mapped out my career plan, and I had measurable goals and a plan to achieve them. 
I had lots of friends from all different walks of life, and I always enjoyed a good happy hour and catch up with them. I lived very independently, and I really enjoyed my very active social life, playing sports, going to lots of concerts. I love music and enjoying my freedom. My favorite parts of my job were when I traveled to various countries to work in person with local organizations and people. For me, that was where the excitement really began. I dove into challenges like how to reach the most at-risk groups of people and collaboratively develop relevant solutions. I learned early on that working on projects in emerging economies had their own set of challenges. Despite the best laid plans, many things didn't go according to plan in these countries that lack consistent infrastructure. So my work required me to be highly adaptable, endlessly creative in problem solving to complete the research or evaluation project I was working on. I was really mission-driven. I believed in the project's potential to help improve opportunities for people in these countries, especially those benefiting youth and empowering adults with expanded skills. I loved working with people from literally all over the world, working in multilingual environments, learning about the cultures, and engaging with peer on a deeper level. So this type of work required many different skills, leading teams in multiple countries and languages, managing budgets, developing evaluation tools and surveys, leading focus groups and interviews, developing security protocols, and assessing technology needs. So once we analyzed the data and the academic research we had done, then we would write white papers, research documents, presentations to show our findings. My work was pretty intense, very physically and mentally demanding. And aside from the bureaucracy and red tape, most of the time, I loved it. Wow. It sounded like you had the best of both worlds, both in your personal life and your career mission-driven intensity on the physical side as well as mentally. That's That was awesome. That sounded like, you know, what I say is a full life. But what happened? How did everything change? <laughs> yeah, thanks. It, it was pretty enjoyable. <laughs> I learned in retrospect. Um, I picked up some sort of bacteria or parasite when I was on what turned out to be my last trip. Getting sick on work travel was not unusual for me. I thought of it as part of the experience. It's just kind of built in. It usually lasted a day or two every time it hit. I would then be very gentle in my stomach not eating much, and eventually it would resolve within a few days. But this time was different. It didn't seem to get better. And then even after returning home, I kept getting worse and eventually wasn't able to eat and within a relatively short period of time, wasn't so much pain that I ended up bedridden in excruciating pain. I, of course, had many doctor's appointments and every test imaginable. They could find markers that contributed to my pain, but they couldn't find anything that explained why it got so bad or how to treat it. And though here in the U.S., we have one of the world's most sophisticated medical systems in the world, when you're dealing with severe chronic pain, you eventually come to realize there's actually a lot that remains unknown especially around the brain and neurosystems. I know this may sound shocking to anyone who hasn't been through this type of experience, but the truth is our bodies 
are so complex. They're such evolving beings with so many systems that can be thrown off by so many things. So the details here really are not important. Basically, the the short summary is I went to every specialist possible. Western and Eastern medicine changed everything in my life from nutrition on up. I was trying everything and anything I could possibly do to help myself heal. Rehabilitation, trying to retrain the brain through complementary therapies, hospital stays, and tons of trial and error. My pain was not manageable. There were numerous trips to the ER. Uh, I couldn't function on my own, and I fell into a pretty deep and dark place. I was in so much pain that my brain really wasn't even working. It was so overextended that it went into dorsal state or shutdown mode. The longer this overwhelming pain went on, it morphed into chronic daily migraines, which of course had significant impacts on my mental health. In addition to the extreme pain that goes along with migraines, I also had severe vertigo, nausea, sensitivity to just about any trigger, like noise, light, movement, smell, screams. I'm kind of brushing over what went on for years while I tried to get better. Needless to say, my life and I were completely irrevocably changed and hardly recognizable. So you fast forward several years, I made incremental improvements and was eventually able to take care of my basic needs on the good days, but was still very much crippled by ongoing chronic pain and associated symptoms that could fluctuate on a daily or hourly or minute basis. Needless to say, I had to go on leave from work when it dragged on further and further without answers or successful treatment. I eventually lost my job. I had to apply for disability, paid a small fortune to keep my medical coverage through COBA as long as I could, and eventually had to go on Medicare, which I learned as a system is absolutely not designed for people who are disabled by medical conditions. And then one of the top local specialists in the field who I had been seeing for over a year told me that there was nothing else she could do for me and referred me to one of the larger migraine centers, which I have to admit was pretty damn scary. This person, this doctor, I had grown to trust and was critical to helping try to manage my daily pain was breaking up with me. How do I know that the next doctor will be able to help me? I'd have to tell my story all over again for the hundredth time basically start from scratch. Was I just going to be screwed with no place to go for help? It was it was worrying. But after much research and a lot of waiting, I eventually got into a migraine clinic in the Midwest where I began working with a world-renowned specialist in the field. Not living in the Midwest, my family drove me in a three-day trip because I couldn't fly or drive for long periods of time to this clinic where I was hospitalized for several weeks. I thankfully, I thankfully found a doctor there who really seemed to get it, validated my experience, and was going to try to do some creative options. She was where people like me went. So I made more significant progress. I started to be able to do limited things on better days, but was still nowhere good enough. I still never knew when I'd crash or need a dark room to go be by myself. I was unable to keep any schedule and still unable to use a computer 
having severe intermittent nausea, vertigo, dizziness, fatigue, and not being able to focus for any extended period of time. I couldn't be anywhere with bright lights, noise, movement, or go on any type of moving transportation, really. Flying and travel were just out of the question. My life looked nothing like it once did professionally or socially. I went from being this strong, vibrant, 30-something professional climbing the career ladder, traveling the world and challenging myself in work and social life, to being completely incapacitated, unable to work or function, losing my job, needing someone to take care of me, and really becoming unrecognizable from the person I was. My life became about survival, how to get through each day and deal with all of the pain and symptoms. As the condition continued, it was clear that I could not do most things from my previous life. It was like the rug was pulled out from under me as the world I had worked so hard to build just crumbled away without much of a trace. It was incredibly stressful, frustrating, exhausting, and enraging. I started working with a therapist to help me deal with the emotional trauma that accompanies this type of chronic illness and loss. So after much therapy, I eventually recognized that I was grieving the loss of so many things in my, due to my illness, my career, my ability to work, my independence, my social life, the ability to do simple things like using the computer. I lost the ability to do most of my hobbies. I was unable to plan for my future financially or personally. And I lost social contact with some friends who really not, never got what I was going through and kind of cut me out when it became clear these problems weren't going away anytime soon. Even years later, I'm in a much better place than in years, but I still have to work hard to manage my condition on a daily basis. I've lost long-term partners who weren't up to, quote, dealing with my situation, and even some family members who really don't know how to relate to me. And perhaps what I miss most of all is any semblance of a free and active lifestyle that's the norm for someone my age. I watch as my peers and friends continue to succeed and move on while I'm still living a very limited life in my new reality. Wow. I can't even imagine what that must have been like to you for you, Riri. I equate this to someone who's on an idyllic path to success and suddenly finds themselves in the wilderness of the unknown where nothing is familiar and you don't know what path to take. I'm just only happy that you found some people along your journey who were helpful, like that doctor who you spoke about so highly of and having the support of family and friends. I'm sure you've had many, many challenging situations as you embark on this journey, but what has been your greatest challenge? I think the most difficult challenge has been learning to accept my new reality and reimagining my life. At first, this was something that I fought strongly against, partly because of my personality and the way that I handle goal and challenges. I've always been a fighter, so some might even say stubborn and committed to push myself to the limit or sometimes past it. But acceptance sounded like giving up trying to get better to me, which I was not going to do. 
But after a lot of work, I learned that acceptance is not a bad thing. And by acknowledging my limitations, I could work towards small improvements. And that's where I started to feel very small flickers of progress. So for example, in my previous life, if I were playing a tennis match and I was tied or I was losing, even if I was really tired, the old me would push myself even harder when I felt fatigue, telling myself I had to be stronger, to never give up and refuse to lose. I'd keep pushing myself to grind until I found a way to win points back. It would sound like these would be positive transferable skills, but unfortunately that's not the case. I often found myself fighting against my body because my mind didn't want to give in and let the pain win. I thought I could push past the pain and will my body to do what my mind wanted. I was more of a mind over matter person, but I learned the hard way that that approach really does not work when it comes to chronic illness. I still think that outlook and approach are useful motivations if, if applied carefully and selectively, but it wasn't until I finally recognized and accepted that if your brain and your body are at odds, things are not going to end well. The body is always going to win and it can get pretty ugly. So once I acknowledged this and accepted it, there was a bit of an opening. I tried to focus on small goals I could work towards. I continue to have ongoing internal conversations with myself as I continue to master this delicate dance of balancing my body and brain. So I now work hard to listen to my body rather than trying to dictate to it, taking a more gentle and mindful approach that helped me feel more in sync with myself. This new approach did not make my pain go away or change my situation, but it helps me prevent some pretty awful rebounds and setbacks. It also helped me in my day-to-day decision-making and helped me make decisions less of a struggle. Wow, that that is some important lesson that you have shared with us. One of the things you said is that the way you viewed acceptance in the past was that you were giving up. But having gone on this journey, you now have a different perspective. It's more of an acknowledgement of your reality and then taking the steps to address it. And that certainly is not giving up. So Riri, what does acceptance look like for you? Yeah, you're absolutely right. After years of practice and working with a therapist, I finally understood that acceptance is really an ongoing process and one that means different things to different people. Of course, I might always miss the old me and the stuff I used to have in my old life. Sometimes I find myself sort of daydreaming about going back to a trampoline park or going to tons of concerts when I see musicians coming that I really love. These are things that I love doing, but eventually my brain reminds me that I can't do that stuff now. So with my new perspective, I know I can try to inch forward and test how my body responds and constantly reassess. No matter what I do, I have to do it very slowly. So an example, a band that I used to love going to see pretty regularly in before times, I heard that they were playing outside in a plaza. 
I haven't been able to go to a concert in more than five years because of the noise, the lights, movement, etc. So I thought maybe an outdoor concert would be better since the sound wouldn't be in an enclosed venue. I thought it would maybe be quieter and would enable me to be further away from the band while still getting to enjoy the music from a safer distance. So I viewed it like an experiment and I went and tried it out. The results, unfortunately, were very disappointing. I couldn't even get close to the plaza where the performance was before the music started bothering me. The thump of the bass, the electric guitar, and the drums felt like it was a piercing knife through my head. Obviously, that didn't go well. The experiment outcome, still not up for concerts yet. So the good news was that I was able to do the experiment without pushing myself into a severe pain attack that could have set me back for a really long time. I used the skills I'd learned, listening to my body, being mindful of small changes and signs of danger. So I know when my ears start to get plugged or really bother me, I feel pressure in the head or any type of thumping starting in the head, and I'm not able to think clearly. These are warning signs to abort the mission, which I did successfully. And sometimes it's really hard to notice these or become aware of them because things like not being able to think clearly makes it difficult. But for me, acceptance is an ongoing challenge. It's never over. Every time a new scenario emerges, I have to do some quick risk calculations and decide whether or not I should try doing it, X, Y, or Z. All that said, I will never give up on trying to get healthier and inch closer to the person in life I had, but I've accepted that I can't get there in my current state and that's okay. That one sentence took a long time and a lot of hard work to get to. I see acceptance as being okay with where you are, not trying to fight yourself. Amazing. And I can tell that it took a lot of self-knowledge, trying to learn about how your body responds to certain stimulus and making the necessary adjustments for you to come to this place of being okay with where you are. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you're giving up. You're still trying to find different ways to fight for yourself. Simply amazing. Let's hear, really about how you got to this mindset of acceptance. Sure. I think it's through a combination of things. First, I think I learned to appreciate the, sim the simple things. If I, couldn't find, if I could find joy in these things, I didn't have to go to extreme sports for happiness. So if I could enjoy just being in beautiful surroundings and be happy with that, I didn't have the same type of craving for an adrenaline rush. The second thing was a lot of meditation and mindfulness practice. That helps calm the brain and helps me try to stay in a safer space. But I learned that's something that you really have to practice on a daily basis. The third thing I would say is keeping my mind and body active. Physical activity is really important for me in managing my pain. I actively try to find safe ways to do things that are active. I'm not a person who likes doing the same routine over and over, unfortunately for me. Um, so it makes it a bit more challenging. And then the fourth thing I would say is I try to set myself up for success. I don't put myself in situations where I know there's a high chance I will aggregate, 
aggravate my system symptoms. I try to keep things simple and focus on doing one thing a day. I learned that mindfulness has to be practiced on a daily basis and enable to pick up minor changes and sensations and recognize early warning signs that you might need to take immediate action. Riri, thank you so much for sharing the strategies that you have used in adopting a mindset of acceptance. And I must say that your acceptance was not one of resignation. It was an acknowledgement of your circumstances and a determination to find another path to fulfill your purpose. We look forward to continuing this conversation with you in the next segment of this episode. Thanks for listening to Reimagining Life from Pain to Purpose. We're always interested to hear your feedback and questions. So leave a review and drop us a note at reimagininglifepodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. We hope you'll tune in for the next episode.